0: Hello, and welcome again to another episode of ATA a- 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 Digital's uh, podcast series. Uh, it's good to be back with you all. And today we have um, uh, Santosh Nyanakan with us. Uh, and this is going to be exciting because we've been talking about how theology relates to life and things uh, beyond the books. And today we have Santosh with us who actually puts things into practice and we are going to learn a lot from him. So I'm excited about this conversation. But before we get into our conversation with Santosh, I want to talk a bit about what he does. And first of all, uh, clarify why we are interviewing him, because we're supposed to be talking about um, our book, Asian Christian Theology. Right. So why are we interviewing Santosh? Well, uh, Santosh's father, Dr. Ken Nyanakan, was a um, well-known theologian environmentalist who wrote the chapter uh, in the book called Creation, New Creation and ecological relationships. Uh, Dr. Nyanakin uh, was uh, well-known, and he founded the ACTS group of institutions. And uh, he uh, is a PhD from uh, London. And we all know his work. But today, we are talking with Santosh, who, when I read his bio online, I was pretty amazed by what he does and how he ended up uh, um, I still have questions. How did he end up leading this institution? So a bit about Santosh. After 16 uh, years in the media uh, business, which included print, web and uh, also an FM radio as a producer. And uh, and uh, he's a musician and still actively a musician with uh, I searched the web and found his band uh, on YouTube. Uh, So he's an active musician in Bangalore, active in the scene and performing. Uh, around, and yet he's also the CEO of Acts. So a very diverse and eclectic collection of uh, talents and jobs that you do, uh, Santosh. So let's begin by getting to know you a bit more. Tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do? What you've done previously? And how, after all that, you became the CEO of Axe?
1: Okay, Matthias, hi. Nice to... Uh, see you and thank you everyone for joining in on this conversation. Uh, I'm a husband. I have one wife. Um, Thank God for her. I have three children and that's my main calling in life. Uh, That's my kingdom ministry as, as husband and father. I love traveling. I love trying out different kinds of foods. I love cricket. I often tell people cricket is my religion but Jesus is my Lord. And that's that's who i am i'm a huge cricket fan um, it's funny you introduced me you introduced my father i love my dad unfortunately he died in may 2021 amazing man but you know growing up as a young guy in my late teens and early 20s i hated being known as ken's son he was this larger than life personality writing books singing songs painting speaking traveling the world And i was ken's son and uh, i just really disliked it because people would come up to me and say hi you're ken's son um how's dad no one wanted to know my name no one wanted to know how i was doing and how i felt about life and the world and what he was doing so i wanted to forge my own path so even though in the in the 90s after my ma in communications which i did at asia pacific nazarene theological seminary in the philippines dad said, come on, son, come and join me at Axe. And I said, no way, Pop. I'm not coming to join Axe. I need to do my own thing. So it was an amazing journey. God really used my strengths, made me aware of my weaknesses. You've already mentioned my newspaper work. My, I jumped onto the dot-com bandwagon. I had to jump off because if there was a dot-com bust. Then I joined the <laughs> private FM radio space, producer, DJ. Uh, I did everything even did a bit of television. But then in 2009, I felt God telling me, okay, you've done your own thing. Your dad is, is now so proud of you because he's proud to be known as, my nickname is Saggy. Uh, it comes from my initials, Santosh Andrew and S-A-G. So my dad was like, he would go into rooms and say, I'm Saggy's dad. So God <laughs> said, okay, you've done that. You're popular. You've done your own thing. Now, how about doing something different? the thought of leaving the radio world, I choked, I panicked, because when you are on the radio and your voice is on the radio, it's like a drug. You want to keep doing it. And the thought that I would be off the radio was a huge, huge challenge. But God God worked with me, and uh, I eventually joined Axe, worked for a few years across all the departments. And 10 years ago, the board at Axe felt that I was capable of taking over the leadership. And so appointed me as CEO. So here I am, still with all the the gifts and abilities that God has brought me. And I'm just thankful that I'm able to continue with music. You mentioned two bands. We've had quite a busy last couple of months doing gigs all over. There are a few more gigs happening. This is my life as a child of God. I'm in the world. I'm not of it. But I want to make, as Dad would often tell us, don't count the years, make the years count. I'm trying to make Mm -hmm. these years count. So that's what I do. That's how I've reached where I am today.
0: Excellent. Uh, that is so interesting. And uh, later, I hope to get to know more about your band because uh, uh, it's always uh, it's a dream of many, many uh, Indian kids to be in a band, and but no one can sustain it for long. So it's just a college dream that dies out. But it's great to see you do, still doing that. Uh, and As diverse and eclectic as Santosh and his interests are, I looked at the ACTS website and I was amazed at the diversity of things that the institution does. And before we get into the nuts and bolts of things, what is the core ethos of because I saw things like higher education, secondary education, you have a guitars project, there are theological books, there's community development. To some, it might seem like these are just different projects with nothing holding them together. What's the core ethos? Why does Acts
1: do all these things? Okay, good question. To understand that, we need to just go back in time a bit to 1979, when my dad started Acts. It was known as Acts Institute back then. Uh, The vision that God gave him was inspired by those verses, that passage from Acts chapter three, where Peter and others are walking through and they come across this, this beggar who cannot walk and needs help and is asking for silver and gold. And uh, Peter says, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So that phrase, rise up and walk, was what really drove Dad and the team. So they were training young men and women in the Bible and in theology uh, at Acts Institute, but also in the afternoon, training them in vocational with vocational skills, equipping them. With with skills that will help them would help them to get a job and to work wherever they were and to be able to rise up and walk with their own abilities not because of a handout not because of someone's gift but because of what God has blessed them with. Now out of that, many many of much of what we do at Acts started the outreach programs into the villages uh, resulted in churches being born. People from those villages were becoming Christians. wouldn't fit into any mainstream church. So the Acts churches just started in those villages. Um, schools were started as a response to the needs in the community. Uh, the community development projects were started again, chatting with people in the community. They said, hey, we need some help in this area. Would you do it? And so it was all connected uh, and yet diverse. I agree. Um, the three words that dad and team used and was still very strong for us today are the three words work, worship, witness. Um, work to the best of your ability, work with excellence, work with what God has given. you don't don't sit and wait for a handout work and then that becomes your worship. that is your offering of worship. and by doing your best and you're worshiping God through your work, that is your witness to the people around you. As an organization today, we have been able to rise up and walk. We don't spend our days writing our project proposals and seeking grants and donations. No, we generate our own revenue through the schools. Mm -hmm. When COVID hit the school income, we started getting into the greenhouse farming business. And I can talk about that a little later. But as an organization, we have taken that vision to heart. We have tried our best to rise up and walk. So yes, we're doing different things, but it's all connected because it's all part of this beautiful world that God has placed us in. And I hope that answers your question.
0: Hmm, that, that, that is um, really helpful. And um, uh, yeah, it shows uh, in a way uh, how deep theological thought becomes real when it's lived out and You walk, as you said. Uh, And as you walked, you came across people and you saw a diversity of needs. But it was not uh, uh, something, let's say, methodically planned right from the onset that these are the projects we are doing. But as you walked, you encountered people. That is beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. Which uh, brings me to the book itself and uh, the chapter in the book. Because uh, right at the beginning of the chapter, um, when I read this, uh, it made me think and stop. Um, At the root of environmental issues is the confused relationship between humankind and the rest of creation. And uh, it goes on to say, and the key to understanding this is the fundamental relationship, the relationship of God to his creation. And when I read this, uh, usually when we think about God, and about thoughts about him and his relationship to the world, we're thinking theological, abstracted thoughts. And yet, uh, this seems to suggest there's this very uh, fundamental connect between the abstract theological thought and uh, ecological issues, which are a very tangible thing. Uh, From your perspective, as you worked in different projects and you mentioned the Greenhouse Project, and other projects that uh, that act uh, engages in. Uh, do you find that theology matters, and if so, how does it matter?
1: Interesting. I've, uh, let me think through this. Now, typically, most people will say, "I'm not a theologian. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not an academic's kind of guy." And you know, and I myself will say that. But then, you, when you try to analyze why someone has said that, it's because, and you use the word abstract, theologians come at you with such abstract ideas, with lengthy essays, with sentences that have no end, um, <laughs> with big words. You could have said all of that in five bullet points. But no, you want to impress us with your intellect and knowledge. So that's that's I had to throw that in uh, because mm-hmm. and here, I'm at the heart of our institution is, my, is our Bible college. I'm currently the chairperson of ATA India, and I'm saying something like this because it's the truth. And if you look mm-hmm. into your heart, you will know that I, what I'm saying is true. But you know what? As you live your life, all your actions, all my actions, all my thoughts, all my responses are based on either a good, a right, a wrong, an incorrect or partial understanding of God and my relationship with God and my relationship with his creation. And so, yes, theology does matter. And Mm -hmm. we need to, uh, probably the word theology has, to the non-theologians, the word theology is a Mm put-off. And that's something that uh, those of us who are in this theological world need to really consider. Theology does matter to everyone. The person who sits in your church when you preach a sermon has an understanding of who God is, goes out into the world, and on Monday morning in his or her office or wherever they're working, is living life based on that understanding. So theology has an important role to play. So I'm not sure if I've uh, gone off topic, but uh, in response to the question that you've asked me, yes, uh, theology does matter, and it does have an influence we just need to make sure that as theological institutions, as leaders, as preachers, as pastors, we are presenting the whole gospel uh, to our churches.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that is really helpful because um, and uh, many of our uh, you know, people in our audiences will be uh, seminary students. Uh, so this is really helpful for us to think about theology beyond just abstract thoughts and realize that even uh, the so-called laity or the non-specialist is thinking theologically, but we've also made this word so abstracted from their lives or so far away that people don't want to engage with this word. So that that is helpful and a great encouragement uh, for us. So uh, connected to that and making it more specific, uh, I won't go into the quotes, but uh, the chapter also seems to suggest that the very person of Jesus, uh, or to use an abstract theological term, the Christological significance of it uh, is real (laughs) and matters to ecology, climate change, all these things that we talk about. Mm -hmm. And let's just put it very simply what does jesus have to do with climate change and by climate change i'm hoping to address a wider uh, array of fields but what does jesus have to do with climate change
1: jesus has nothing to do with climate change you and i (laughs) have everything to do with climate change Mm. but seriously climate change uh, the abuse of children rapes oppression of minorities and that list goes on it's a sin problem Um, it's mm. These are symptoms of the sin problem. Jesus came to fix the root. Jesus came for the whole world. He didn't just come uh, to say, hey, uh, your climate's looking off. I need to come and fix it. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. Um, and so we're just looking at the symptoms. Uh, Jesus was... And if you look at his life, even if you read his life as a story, he was a simple man. He was interested in the whole person. When people were hungry, he wanted to feed them. Uh, When when they were struggling in the midst of a storm, uh, he wanted to, to bring calm and peace. When people were sick or even dead, he healed them. He raised them to life. He was interested in the whole person. He was interested in the whole community. For God so loved the world... That he came. And so we need to have a similar approach. Um, when I, I, I joke when I say Jesus has nothing to do with climate change, of course, Jesus is concerned. He's he's sad to see how, how his beautiful creation has turned into this mess. Uh, but he knew that at the that behind all of that there was a something deeper that had to be fixed. And that's what he came to fix. So, yeah, Jesus uh, is interested in that whole person, that whole community. And that influences the way I work at ACTS. We did away with environmental projects. We did away with ecological projects that were standalone because it was only the project team that was concerned or probably only concerned because that was their job. Whereas the rest of the organization uh, was just living life as they wished. So now modeling what Jesus did, we're just doing whatever we do and looking at the whole person and that whole community. So I hope mm-hmm. you're getting uh, to, to my heart and understanding what I'm trying to say, Matthias.
0: Yeah. Uh, Santosh, that is really helpful. And um... I like the idea of the whole person and the whole community and the way you brought it out, um, which is a helpful segue into the next question I was thinking of. Um, uh, in the book, uh, chapter, it says, we must not forget there's a clear centrality of men and women in God's plans and purposes. It is not uh, in keeping with God's redemptive purposes if we concentrate on ecological issues without reference to people in God's world. And uh, with this uh, part of the chapter and then looking at acts projects, uh, and we touched a bit on this at the beginning of our conversation when we were tel- telling us about how the ethos connects and all those things. Um, but at this point, could you elaborate uh, a bit more, maybe some instances from projects? Uh, and you hinted at this, but how do ecological concerns people and uh, and theological uh in- a theological institution all all these uh connect uh, whereas uh as you said our tendency is to see them as distinct uh projects initiatives here and there and just running separately
1: yeah uh, first of all i just want to salute my dad for writing such a brilliant piece of work um you know living growing up with him um uh, I knew about him, but I didn't know everything that he did. And I've just read this this chapter um, after a long, long time. And it's been well done. And hats off to the editors who, who did their magic with this. That was all for the integrated approach to learning. And that's something that we still try to emphasize. Where we don't operate in silos, everything is connected. and. Uh, like I said, Jesus was interested in the whole person and the whole community. He knew that there were connections. Um, so, for example, our secondary schools uh, in Bangalore, we, we have life skills. Actually, let me go to the Bible college first. Mm-hmm. We moved away from vocational training because as students were coming, they were not so interested in carpentry and electrical training and all of that. So we moved more into things like office and home management and life skills, 21st century life skills, skills that you can use across any any job to help you Mm -hmm. face life and everything that it throws at you. So, again, we were looking at the whole person. Um, we, we teach a bit about the environment in our Bible college, about entrepreneurship, because it's all connected, right? It's, everything is connected. Mm-hmm. In our schools, we used to run a very big environmental program at ACTS called PEAS, P-E-A-S, Program for Environmental Awareness in Schools. My dad started this uh, 20 plus years ago. Uh, he wrote a theme song. We would have these huge conferences around the world, uh, around the country, around India, Students from all across would come, 2,000, 3,000 kids come together, sing, dance, play, write poems, come up with ideas to, to solve the environmental problems. Um, as I started taking over, I thought, you know we need to actually go a little smaller, local so that the impact runs deeper. So today in our schools, we have little peace clubs where we talk to them about awareness. Um, so again, we're trying to hit many targets through the initiatives and not just have standalone things because i feel that when it's standalone uh, everyone is just screaming for their cause and forgetting about everything else and don't you see that in our world today uh, we don't need another environmental campaign we need to relook at our culture we need to question our culture because culture is is all of life campaign is just one little thing that you do we need to relook at culture uh, we need to create sacred spaces, uh, a phrase that's used a lot and was reintroduced to me by my friend Deepak, who's one of the pastors at our Axe Church here in Bangalore. Uh, and that, you know, as I was thinking about it, that's what I'm trying to do at Axe through our ministry, create these little sacred spaces where all of life and its challenges is is addressed. I realize that I'm now starting to sound like a theologian and an academics kind of guy. So uh, ask me for specifics while I incur the wrath of the theologians who are actually watching this interview right now.
0: <laughs> no, uh, uh, so we, this is helpful because um, uh, we started off uh, with the disclaimer that you are uh, not a professional theologian. And yet, uh, as you speak, we can see the interweaving of theology with all these uh, uh, projects that you're doing. And I actually wanna dig a bit deeper into the uh, uh, how uh, you teach students uh, at the, um, uh, the theological institution that ACTS has. Uh, what, what I'm so interested, what does the curriculum look like? Because you said uh, they have life skills, a bit about the environment and usually when we think of uh, a theological institution we are thinking um, bible study methods uh, and uh, church history and dot 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 and that's uh, how to preach and then we are done but this is very different yeah tell us more about this and
1: that's why the church is so ineffective today Mm. some truth to that i'm also joking um (laughs) but yes at acts uh, one third of the curriculum was vocational training. So ATA was very gracious and understood uh, what dad and team were trying to do uh, through the Ministry of AXE Institute in those days, AXE Academy, as it's known today. Uh, Today, like I said, we're doing life skills, we're doing entrepreneurship, we're doing the environment. Uh, Life skills is such a beautiful uh, component at AXE Academy. Um, we're, We're doing things like collaboration, communication, critical thinking uh we've got wellness and well-being a subject that was very close to my dad's heart he even wrote a book on it um he had cancer and he came out of it he lived as he called the resurrected life after his tango with cancer he he conquered it and so wellness and well-being is a huge part of the ax academy curriculum we have a course and um I'm insisting that even our MTH students do that. I would love for our uh, doctoral students as well to have eyes opened. You know, we think of these courses as soft skills. But you might know the Bible from back to front. You might fully, not fully understand it. But these skills are what are able to take that knowledge and information and actually make it useful to the world around you. Otherwise, your PhD dissertation is just making you happy and your family and your friends. But we want mm. your learning, your knowledge to have an impact in your community. Uh, the ACTS mm. vision is uh, we're, we're raising a community of people learning to live. Uh, you will never stop learning and you are in that community. That's where God has placed you. And so we want to equip you with tools, with skills that will help you to not just live a selfish life. And that's why we're in such a mess today not just in the Christian world, but everywhere. But to live a life where you can engage and you can see um, transformed lives around you, you can see communities being changed around you. So that's kind of what the Acts Academy curriculum looks like.
0: Excellent. Uh, that's um, Yeah, I, I would love to go deeper into that someday with you. Uh, but for now, uh, you did mention another thing which uh, really struck me. Um, you talked about how, instead of just uh, doing certain projects or uh, being activists for a certain cause, you have to look at a deeper thing, then there's a cultural issue which is uh, we need to address. And uh, in some ways, uh, part of the chapter also uh, addresses this, uh, connected to something else that you said before. There is also another important factor, a fact we need to underline, and that is the reality of the influence of uh, Satan on creation. Uh, In fact, it is only through a proper understanding of sin and curse that we will be able to explain some of the ecological problems that confront us. Now, this uh, quote is specifically, uh, because of the chapter, specifically talking about ecological problems and the connection of sin. But uh, when you work on these uh, uh, various projects uh, and you encounter these situations as you walk and these people as you walk, uh, have you or how do you see the influence of sin and, uh, and when you're addressing these uh, situations?
1: Okay. Um, so I mentioned earlier that sin is the root problem and we're dealing with the symptoms today, whether it's climate change or abuse or rape or oppression, injustice, those are the symptoms. So it's everywhere. Uh, we're seeing it everywhere. Uh, I think dad in his chapter mentioned something about decay of creation and that's something that God would probably not have created. And that's probably the result of the curse. Um, so yeah, um, we have to accept that there was that perfect Eden. There will be that new Eden, that new creation. We're in this in between phase, um, do we just sit back and say, oh, it's it's going to happen. God's going to take this world and, and turn it around. No, in the same way, we don't close our eyes to injustices and poverty of people being hungry around us. We, we want to help. So in the same way, I feel that we need to step forward and do something for God's creation. So yes, we are seeing the effects of sin and the curse all around us, but that should not hold us back uh, from not wanting to do anything. Not doing something is as bad as doing the wrong thing. And I want to give Mm -hmm. my wife credit for this because I just heard her use this in our office devotions this morning. So you might do the wrong thing that, oh, that's bad, but you might not do something that is equally bad. So just because it's a sin and a curse problem and God has come to fix that, that doesn't mean we step back and step away. We need to get involved.
0: Mm. This is very helpful because, um, yeah, many a times, um, even the use of the word sin itself distances us from the problem and it becomes a God problem. Mm. But I, I, I like what your wife said, not doing anything is as bad as doing something bad. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, helpful. Uh, Now, uh, in the chapter, it also talks about uh, uh, the idea of the Sabbath and rest. And uh, in connection to, uh, I'll just read the quote. "The Endless plundering of the earth to reap maximum benefits is wrong. Even the earth has been shown to need its rest. And... uh, Moving on, it talks about the Sabbath and the year of Jubilee, uh, where the earth is given time to rest uh, in the history of Israel. Now, the idea of rest, and I specifically was looking at India, but generally in uh, culture and society right now, rest is hard to come by. We are almost running from one job, one task to the next. And especially for India, um, Many people complain that I can barely make ends meet, Mm -hmm. um, or we cannot uh, even produce to meet our internal needs. How do we rest? I mean, how does this work?
1: Yeah, so that that quote that you'd read that Dad had had written, uh, he was talking about even the earth has been shown to need its rest. And the year of the jubilee extended the privilege of the Sabbath rest even to the land Um, I don't think that would work to an extent in India because people who are struggling to make ends meet who don't have food most likely do not have land. So that question of the land being rested doesn't even arise. Those who are struggling to make ends meet and have land are not the kind of landowners who are abusing their land just to fill their own pockets. So again... um, that, that that issue of, does not arise. But your question is, how do we rest in, in a culture like ours where we have to work nonstop in order to feed our families? Again, I'm gonna go back to what my wife shared at our office devotions this morning. It was to do with the Sabbath and rest. And this is something that both of us believe in. Rest is not just uh, being still, sitting back, Uh, Shutting off, going to sleep, catching up on lost sleep. Rest is is all about being refreshed, being rejuvenated. And there are many things that you can do to find that rest. It is a conscious thing. You need to set aside that time. If you're a pastor, you obviously cannot rest on a Sunday because that's probably your busiest day. So many pastors will rest on a Monday. But what you do with that time is really crucial. So we need to find things that that ignite our mind in a positive way. You don't want to be going crazy in the head. You want to do things like maybe gardening, or in my case, maybe go on the street and play cricket. Or in your case, find your friends from college and try and resurrect that college band. Uh, <laughs> the rest, rest comes in, in different ways. And God was not being legalistic and saying, do this and nothing else. Mm-hmm. There was a heart and an objective behind what he was telling us. He knew that we needed some downtime. And so we need to respect that rest. And I hope I'm addressing the question that you raised.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, the I like how you talk about rest, not just about sitting or shutting things off, but it's, It can even be things you do that bring you rest. Um, uh, But I want to uh, dig a bit more into it because um, many a times uh, more connected to uh, resting the land, the reasoning is given that we cannot produce enough. So we need to keep pushing to get more hybrid varieties uh, uh, and which uh, high yield crops and like keep uh, rotating crops to produce as Mm -hmm. much as possible so the land cannot rest because there's not enough for our people uh is there a possibility or in in your projects uh, especially when you talked about different farming projects and all have you seen or uh, worked out different ways of uh, doing this that even the land can rest and yet we are not left hungry
1: you know in in the last couple of years during the pandemic we we got into this greenhouse farming space And uh, it's amazing how God led us down that journey. Again, it's not something that we intended to do, but we were just open uh, to conversations, to uh, situations around us, and God led us into this journey. And there has been talk of actually allowing our land to rest after a few years of whether it's chrysanthemums or roses, which are the two flowers that we're growing. Our local people who are working there are talking that, We need to rest the land. So it is something that farmers in India know and do because that land is their livelihood. And uh, yeah, huge businesses will just abuse the land and if it's no longer working for them, they'll go and acquire some other land and then do the same thing. We're in a broken world, in a broken system, and that's, that's how things are. But yeah, we are Mm. conscious of that. We want to bring rest to our land and we will make sure that that happens.
0: Excellent. Uh, And I like that you pointed out that the uh, local Indian farmers actually do know that the land needs to rest, uh, but we're also pushed by a system which is at odds with this uh, local understanding of things. Yeah. Mm, So... uh, Which actually brings me to this next question, uh, uh, which is, which talks about the the biblical theme of restoration of all creation to its original perfection. Uh, And uh, the chapter says, this is a clear reminder of the ultimate purposes of God, the restoration of all creation. Uh, So there is this ultimate reassurance that creation will be restored and God will put everything right. Now, this has often been used negatively, uh, uh, where people are like, hey, God's gonna fix everything anyway. Uh, so, and this present world is corrupt, it's uh, evil, uh, this is all gonna pass away, so why bother, right? God is gonna renew all things. Uh, so, why uh, bother with conservation? And I think this connects a bit with what uh, you talked about not doing anything mm. is just as bad as doing something bad, but let's elaborate on that. Why bother when God is going to fix it and it's all going to be new someday?
1: Yeah. So again, it's a theology problem. It's these folk who have passed through seminaries around the world and have come up with a wrong understanding of uh, our relationship with God, our relationship with creation, creation's relationship with God. And as a result, um, That's that one area where we say, no, there is going to be a new heaven, a new earth. There's a new Eden. Why bother? And yet at the same time, we'll be rushing out to ensure that uh, souls are saved, lives are saved, because we're so bothered about uh, those souls. So it's a theological misconception. We need theological schools, our seminaries, our Bible colleges to rediscover That relationship. And I think Dad also talks about it in this chapter: the the relationship between the creator and creation, our relationship. Mm -hmm. We need to respect that. We unfortunately we've stripped creation of its decency. We've shamed it. We've we've exposed creation. And I know that God is unhappy when he sees that. That's why he came to fix the root which is in our hearts. He'd given us this beautiful task of ruling. Unfortunately, many of us misinterpret that rule thinking it means do whatever you want with that. We've had endless discussions about that. Uh, So he came to fix our hearts. And if we are so bothered about uh, churches um, raising money to help a poor community or doing something to uh, bring clothes to those who need new clothes during Christmas, for example, when it's cold in some parts of the world, Why are we not equally concerned about this part of God's world, the creation? That was the first task that God gave us. So we just need to now rethink. We need our pastors to be giving the right kind of messages uh, to the congregation, that this is not just a project. Like I said, we don't need any more campaigns. Campaigns are a curse, You do it for a while and then it's out of your head and you're just back to your way of living. We need a whole cultural rejig. We need to rethink what we're teaching in our seminaries so that those products can teach the right kind of teaching in our churches today. And then you will see that people will start getting more involved, that we will engage not just in projects, but we will engage with the whole community. So we should mm. we should put in an effort, knowing that we don't have enough wisdom to fix the problem. Uh, we don't know it all, but God doesn't want us to just sit back and laugh and do our own thing and live the selfish lives, which is why we're in this mess today.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I like how you said that uh, we do the work but we also acknowledge that we do not know everything and so that allows room for change and uh, self-correction at different points. Um, uh, This actually makes me again go back to uh, uh, ACTS Academy and the students who come there. um, uh, Are are there things within the curriculum and their uh, daily activities which allow them to see and experience these things beyond just ideas in their books uh, uh, and when, when we talk about it should matter, uh, are there things that they do, the students, that allow them to imbibe these things deeper into them?
1: Yeah. Now, Acts Academy and the story of Acts sounds like this beautiful organization, this beautiful Bible college where we've figured it all out. We haven't. We're all broken. Uh, we're all coming with our own background, our own baggage, and uh, we're not where we want to be, but we're trying to get there. I'll give you one example of a student. This was during the height of the pandemic in India. Um, he was learning about communication. Uh, he's a Bible college student. I think he's doing his BTH or his end of. So he was learning about communication and was encouraged and inspired and challenged to write to the local collector the district head where he lives in those days we were doing online classes um, he wrote to that head and said dear sir we do not have a COVID care center in our district i request you to please set up a COVID care center months later there was a response to that a COVID care center was built months after that this student got COVID. And he was in that very same COVID care center, doing his online classes. People around him, nurses saying, what are you doing? What are these classes? So it's amazing how that that simple communications class took him down this journey. And suddenly he's in this COVID care center, being able to witness to people around him. So these are beautiful stories. It's not all like this, because like I said, many of our students... Mm -hmm. We all come with different ideas and it's going to take a lot of work to change and help people to unlearn what they've learned in their local churches again it's going back to the local churches where many of them have come from uh, with a with a slightly different and in my opinion wrong understanding of who god is and what he expects from us
0: That's a beautiful story, uh, and I like how it uh, shows, through one student's story, how all these uh, pieces interconnected, a communications class he wrote about, uh, he wrote to, uh, to have a COVID center, and it happened over time, and he was there himself, and as he did the same classes, he could witness. That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Um And we've been talking about local churches, uh, and I want to dig into this a bit more. uh, Because uh, uh, local churches, and I wouldn't say this is wrong, because there is uh, a clear uh, reason for this also, where we are focused on salvation, uh, sharing the gospel, and all these things. But throughout this interview, we've been talking about the idea of the whole person, and uh, a more holistic approach or vision of life. So can local churches uh, or be involved uh, in creation care uh, or is it something that they can just support by, uh, let's say, preaching about it or uh, talking about it, but it's not, let's say, their area of expertise. It's not something that they need to do.
1: I think the local church has a very important role to play, Matthias. Um, like I said over and over again, uh, we don't need another campaign, although sometimes campaigns are useful to trigger a resetting of the mind. Uh, but then the local church really needs to, to step in and ensure that this whole gospel is presented to the whole church. We're looking at our congregation members as ATM machines we just want them to be tithing and giving in their offerings so that uh, our church can grow in numbers. It's all a numbers game, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the local church has a huge role to play. Because if we are to be the salt and light, what are the people around us seeing? They're seeing a mm-hmm. self-absorbed community that comes together every Sunday, sings. Uh, we, we gather in this closed sanctuary. And then during the week, we're just as bad or as good as everyone else around. Mm. So what is the difference that we are bringing to this? We talk, we are so big on salvation. Uh, What are we being saved from? What are we being saved for? What does God want us to do with this life that has been, is being transformed? It's been saved for a purpose. He wants us to join when we pray and say, God, establish the work of our hands. It's an invitation for God to come and partner with us worthless individuals, communities. So the local church has such a huge role to play. If we can only uh, rethink what we're preaching and not just look at the latest topic and fad, but actually look at the whole Bible, the whole gospel and present it. It's, it's a unified story, isn't it? It's all about It's all everything leads to Jesus mm-hmm. and everything leads to Jesus and beyond and that new creation. So to say it again, the local church has a huge role to play, uh, but I can keep saying it. Uh, but unless where are these local church pastors coming from? They're coming from seminaries, from colleges, from Bible schools. So it's the the Bible colleges, these theological institutions have a huge role to play in shaping the kind of pastors who will go into these churches and who will be engaging with the regular people in their communities.
0: Mm. I think um, this is very helpful um, for us to think about how and what we are teaching in our uh, seminaries, Bible colleges. Um, now, there are a lot of NGOs and institutions who do similar work, uh, creation care, envir- uh, and environmental issues, care for people also. Uh, do uh, local churches and Christian NGOs have anything distinct to offer in this space, or are we just just one more of these uh, uh, other NGOs? And I'm not saying that we are better or have it all figured out, but is there something distinctive to our contribution that's possible or probable?
1: Yeah, Um, the, the difference, the distinction would be that we know, and I hope we know, is that we know the big picture, the bigger picture. We are not just uh, environmental campaigners who are just so obsessed with the environment, relationships, and everything can can go to hell, so to speak. Uh, but I'm just focused on this environmental campaign. No, time and time and again, we've been using this phrase, right? The whole person, the whole community. Um, when when God was using Moses to shape this new nation, there were so many instructions. It was not just about how to keep your soul and your thoughts pure. It was about how to deal with your neighbors, how to even uh, work your land, how to deal with the people from outside of your community. So uh, we should be aware of this big picture. We should be aware, like we mentioned, that we don't have all the answers. We should be aware that we will not fix everything. We should be aware that a new creation awaits when God will just transform everything and the brokenness that we see today will no longer be there but we should partner with God to get there we will not fix it we will not do the transforming God will if we are willing to be used by him wherever we are right now can we truly uh, look at our lives look back today and say wow God's gonna say well done faithful servant to me can we truly say that or are we still being selfish Are we still just wanting to churn up those essays because it's going to get me a degree and then I'm going to look good uh, with that doctor or whatever it is before my name? So we need to understand that there is a distinction and it is that it is the gospel that is the difference. Unfortunately, we are no better in our approaches Uh, Because we too, as Christian environmentalists, I've seen some of them who are just so obsessed with only that we're just operating in silos. We cannot see the connections. So, yeah, Hmm. that's my take. No, uh, that's,
0: that's really good. Um, And I like the dynamic that, that you present between the big picture and the specific projects. Like, uh, and they're not uh, disconnected from each other as you presented there. Uh, there's an interplay between them. And uh, that's helpful to, and not just for environmental issues, but even for us as academicians in uh, uh, seminaries and all, to keep the big picture in mind that the paper that I write is not just about getting published and getting a job or getting recognized by my peers or presenting that paper at that conference uh, so that people... Can say how well I did, but there's a bigger picture involved in all of this. And for pastors in churches, that sermon is not just about delivering a good sermon that day. So that's beautiful. So uh, this is a, uh, this is a pretty sharp segue, but this is something I was very interested in when I was looking at your website. Uh, I fiddle around with the guitar myself. I'm not very good at it. I watched your band, uh, uh, Retronome. Uh, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, it's as a play word, okay.
1: Metronome, because we do um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> older hits, yeah.
0: Excellent, yeah. So, I yeah, I, I loved your cover of Highway Star. Um, uh, that was tight. <laughs> but um, moving on, I was very interested in this project, uh, Asta Guitars. Because usually when you look at an NGO's uh, page, um, uh, you will see, uh, uh, and especially environmental, uh, environmentally inclined NGOs, you'll see projects for the environment, uh, greenhouse, yes, it's possible. Mm. Uh, sustainable farming, yes, that's possible. You might have, uh, uh, then there'll be educational institutions for uh, NGOs in that sector. So yes, other projects kind of fit together. And then there's this Asta guitars, which are beautiful guitars, by the way. Anyone who wants to uh, check it out, please go and Google it out. The guitars are beautiful. Uh, But tell us why Asta guitars and how does it connect to the rest of the picture?
1: Okay. Before I talk about Asta guitars, I just want to acknowledge how we have made mention of Highway Star by Deep Purple, probably the first time in an ATA forum, Highway Star has been (laughs) mentioned. Okay, so so Asta Guitars. Uh, For those of you who knew my dad, you would have known he was a great singer and a great musician. Uh, His whole uh, public career began as a singer-musician in the 60s. They were known as the Indian Beatles, it was he came out of that because he felt empty, and God transformed yeah. his life, and that's how the rest of his journey continued. So, music is a huge part of our life. But there were a number of reasons why I got interested in Asta guitars. First of all, I met a guy from Switzerland who was visiting Bangalore, Lucas Brunner, who was a guitar builder for a number of years, had his own brand name. He wanted to use his skill to train. Uh, young people in India as his way of of giving, of helping and mm-hmm. passing it on. For me, like I mentioned, ACTS as an organization, we, we generate our own revenue. We are not sitting back and waiting for donations from India or from abroad. We will make the money we need to run the organization. Praise God, it's all because of him. We've failed, we've made mistakes, but I want to give credit to God for helping us Uh, reach the stage. So Asta Guitars was a social enterprise. We wanted to run a world-class business producing world-class guitars, provide employment to young men. We have four great guys right now working at the workshop here in Bangalore who could have probably gone and um, asked for some money from somewhere and lived off donations and Lived off the offerings of a local church. But no, we gave them the opportunity to get trained and to use these skills to now earn their own living. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, one day, we want the profits from these guitars to go and help uh, young children who can't afford to go to school. During the COVID pandemic, we were able to use some of the profits to provide food bags to the f- poor families around the workshop. We didn't put stickers that said Axe and Asta on it. We didn't want that kind of publicity. We were there Mm -hmm. because we wanted to help. So Asta Guitars fits in beautifully because it represents everything that we want to do at Axe. It's all about sustainability. It's a social enterprise. It's about skill. It's about beauty, creativity. It's about standing on your own feet. It's about rising up and walk. And uh, yeah, I have played Highway Star on the... Asta bass guitar that I still use today. Nice. <laughs> oh,
0: um, yeah, so where can people get these guitars? Um, uh, and I mentioned it, uh, but could you, uh, just for our audiences, uh, where can they get them? Because this is excellent how you connected and showed us uh, that it's not just about sure. producing guitar. I just, guitar. Have, I just have to
1: reach out for this. So this is the name. Uh-huh. Asta Guitars. Okay, Excellent. so AstaGuitars.com is our website. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. So just Google uh, Asta Guitars Bangalore and you'll find us. We do acoustic guitars, electric, six string, bass guitars. Um, it's an exciting project, and the guitars are expensive because they are world class, they are top quality. Mm-hmm. And I invite you to come join us in this journey.
0: Excellent. Uh, uh, So, and from what I saw, uh, the guitars are also uh, customizable according to what uh, a customer may want, right?
1: Yes. So you can, the the finish, the kind of wood that's used, the design, the size, depending on how big or small you are as a, a person, so if you go through the website you'll find that there are many things that you can customize uh, even the little inlays on the fretboard whether it's the shape of a, a little lizard or an elephant head lots of things that can be customized it will truly be your guitar handcrafted right here in bangalore
0: excellent uh, so yeah for our audiences uh, please do check out ask the guitars uh, i did uh, I need to save up to buy one of those guitars, but it, they are beautiful, so please do. Uh, so let's uh, talk a bit about what are you working on nowadays wh- uh, with acts, but also, let's say, uh, for yourself. Um, are there some things that you're planning out, that are coming up, that you're excited about?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, I'd love to share about that. Like I mentioned, as an organization, we are seeking to stand on our our own feet. Uh, We're seeking to find new ways constantly to generate revenue so that we can keep the ministry of ACTS going. I joined ACTS because I wanted to continue the good work that mom and dad and the team around them started. I find myself now, I never wanted to be the leader. Uh, I remember as a child saying, when I grow up, I'm going to preach like my dad, but I'm going to drive a Rolls Royce. (laughs) I don't preach like my dad and I don't drive a Rolls-Royce, but I have caught on the excitement that drove him um, to do what he did. And so I want ACTS to be an organization that can be a model for others. Uh, Not a perfect model, because I will be the first to admit that we've not got it all right. We make mistakes. We've got people who have not caught the vision and who are still trying to do things on their own through their own understanding. Right now, um, I'm obsessed with our greenhouse farming initiative. We own over 30 acres of land just outside of Bangalore. Uh, we've got greenhouses there, we're growing chrysanthemum flowers, roses. On Valentine's Day, symbolic day, I planted rose plants, and we have about 100,000 of those plants that will yield soon. So. I'm excited because this is not just a business, it will generate huge income, but it's a way for once again for us to show as an organization that there are ways of demonstrating God's love through the people who work with us. Um, as the team settle down, the laborers settle down, I want us to be talking to them about good parenting, family life. These are people who don't know Jesus, uh, but they can know Jesus through the way we behave. I want to talk to them about health and hygiene and wellness and well-being. I want the community around us there to know that we're not just another business that is going to come in and abuse this land until there's nothing left to give. We want to be light, salt, hope in that area. So that's currently what is exciting me. Uh, The Bible College is going through a little bit of a reshaping and restructuring as we try to go back uh, to the original, the, the roots Literally, the A in AXE stands for agriculture, Mm -hmm. agriculture, crafts, trades, studies. So we're trying to rediscover that initial flame that set things going, because I don't want AXE Academy to be just another seminary where you're producing PhD students and MTH students, all respect to you if you are one of those students. Uh, But I want us to produce students who will not just have that degree and that piece of paper, but will also be able to to have an impact in the community around them and to to walk out knowing that this life is not about them, it's about the people around them. So these are the two things that are exciting me right now and keeping me busy. And, of course, the band. I I need to cut short this interview in a little while because I have to get back and practice Oh, no, it's a working day. So I have to finish work at Axe and then go for my practice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, uh, And uh, for our uh, audiences, if you are uh, uh, into academia, this is not to say that you shouldn't be doing this, but more about uh, look at the bigger picture, the whole person, the whole community, and think of your work uh, in terms of that. So this is an encouragement and not to discourage you from doing what you are doing.
1: And Matthias, Uh, I just want to reiterate what you just said. In no way am I trying to discourage you, viewer, listener, from stopping your studies or not uh, continuing higher education. By all means, please do it uh, and use your learning to create that impact around you. Use your learning to bless others. Use your degree to influence others. We've been talking about wrong theology, theology that falls short of what... The actual theology is, let's use our learning and our degrees to to set things right. It will never be perfect, but at least let's make an attempt to move in the direction that God wants us and longs for us to move in. Thank you. Thank you. That is really helpful, Santosh. Uh, So
0: finally, where can people interact with you or can they interact with you, follow you somewhere? Uh, Because... I'm sure there'll be many of our viewers who would want to connect and talk more about things with you.
1: Yep. Um, you can contact me. Um, santoshnyanakan at gmail.com is the easiest. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. You just need to, I don't think there's any other Santoshnyanakan in the world. It is a unique name. Um, so you can Google uh, or look for me on Facebook or Instagram and connect with me. I'll be happy. Or just come to my office here in koramangala in Bangalore. Let's have a coffee together. I love coffee. So if you can promise me a good coffee, I can promise you a good conversation.
0: <laughs> thank you, Santosh. This has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for taking out the time. And uh, for our audiences, uh, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And I encourage you to in- engage with not just us, but each other, talk about things and uh, get engaged with the bigger picture, the whole person, the whole community. And we look forward to having you with us uh, on future episodes as well. Thank you.
1: Thank you.